This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Why do millions of Americans choose to sleep on Boland Branch sheets? Is it the 100% organic cotton? Is it that they get softer and softer over time? Customers can't stop raving about these sheets. And there's no better time to try them for yourself or give them to someone you love. Right now, Bolin Branch is offering their best deals of the year, and you can get their incredibly soft sheets at incredibly low prices. Just go to bolinbranch.com to shop their best deals today. That's b o l l and branch.com today. See site for details. When you're a pro, your reputation is built and proven over time. That's why the Home Depot carries Loctite PL Premium Max construction adhesive, the strongest on the market. It stays 100% solid after curing. It won't develop air pockets. And like your reputation, it holds up over time. Right now, get 12 or more for the bulk price of only $8.53 each. Loctite PL Premium Max at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Minimum purchase required, U.S. only. I'm Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers. Is your insurance company forcing you to go back to work when your doctors say you can't? If this sounds familiar, look no further than my law firm. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast for the week of October 15th. It was supposed to be 15th, but I was on vacation, so it's coming out October 16th. Uh, I'm joined by my fellow Pound the Rock co-host... Joe Wolfon. What's going on, man? Rest in peace, I rock, man. Yeah. I mean, I really, uh, I hope it found a good home. I uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you, th- what do you think they did with it? I, I honestly I think, I think it would be easy to move. That should be a statue, but like they don't put a sign out front. Like just put it somewhere in like the near the arena and you just like leave that rock there. But you yeah. don't put like an actual They could have just left it where it was, right? Like do you think Nick Nurse came in and was like, I want that rock out of my sight? Well, I mean, hey, listen. Apparently, there's some mini beef between Nick. No Nurse love and lost. Casey. Yeah, what's going on there, man? I don't know, man. I'm I'm sure professional jealousy is the prime motivating factor there, but uh... yeah. I, I mean, I feel like neither of them really want to talk about it too much. Although Dwayne Casey does kind of like to be like, "Hey, man." I think Dwayne I'm, Casey I'm, does want to talk about it. No, no, Dwayne has this weird way of like, um, you know, I have nothing but love and respect. We had a great run in Toronto. Also, Nick Nurse can't coach. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he just like slips in little little insults. Yeah. Um, Happy start of the NBA season to everyone except Nick Nurse. Yeah, um, yeah. I, the gripe there was that Dwayne Casey apparently was not congratulated on his new job by Nick. Is that what happened? Uh, was it congratulated on the new job or like reached out to after he got fired? Why would you reach out to him after he got? F- I don't know, man. I don't know, just to be like, hey, man, sucks. Like, totally unfair. You didn't deserve this. I don't know. I'm going to steal your job. <laughs> I told everyone about your idea to put in Bebe in, in game four, and we yeah. lost by 12 points. Full disclosure, I didn't actually read the piece, but so I heard there was something like mm. uh, 
Dwayne was kind of salty. Were you out of like three st- uh, star articles for the month? Only five. You know, you exactly. got to choose them wisely. You can't just read every single one of uh, what's his name, uh, Doug Smith's blogs. You right. got to be careful. But, but um, from what I heard, he was like felt like he had kind of like given Nick Nurse this opportunity. Like mm. Nick had never gotten a head coaching interview before, mm. yeah, or even like an assistant coaching interview before. Yep. Um, and you know, didn't feel like he was being appreciated enough, or something to that effect. Mm. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I thought that was a little bit of a of a pot shot by Dwayne. You know what I mean? But uh, I, I can totally understand him feeling bitter, and uh, he's got to direct that bitterness somewhere. Um, you know, I'm sure he, he's probably he's, bitter watching Andre Drummond shoot threes, man. Yeah, so. probably, and I'm sure you know it. It stings all the more to see. Well, I don't know if it does or it doesn't, but like you know, now now that the Raptors have a talent like Kawhi Leonard, I'm sure he probably feels like there are some things that he could have done with that roster that he couldn't do with the one that he had for uh, the seven years that he was there. I was gonna say, yeah, for a defensive coach to coach the Rosen for that long, and then as soon as he goes, the <laughs> the, 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 the his successor gets Kawhi. It's nuts. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's unfortunate. Although I think that that is a low blow because like, like Nick Nurse has been around the NBA a couple of times. Not not for like a actual head coaching job. You know, this is probably the first time he's come up there. But like, he's always on those lists that like uh, Kevin Arnovitz puts together every year about like the hottest um, you know assistant coaches, which is somewhat of an ESPN piece and also a LinkedIn piece, I guess. I don't know, but um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like Nick Nurse has drawn interest from like joining Steve like Steve Kerr's staff right in Golden State, like. That's that's a pretty good that's a pretty good affiliation there. Plus, he's been with the Rockets, so like he's been in some pretty good organizations, and he's a widely highly regarded head coach. So I think when you put or at least assistant, so when, I think if you put it out there, like, hey man, if he's the right man for the job, which is what Dwayne said, like if like I don't know, I, I just, you could have just said nothing, I guess, right? But uh, you know, otherwise Dwayne seems pretty happy. Um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, uh, a couple weeks into the season. When mm. Reggie Jackson's tuning him out and yeah. Blake Griffin's like trying to work in isolation from 18 feet, how yeah. happy he is! I mean, I hope I want all the best for him. Like, I hope the Pistons yeah, have a good season. Uh, I think they will be a playoff team, and I think that's really all that he needs to do. You right. know, like that's that's all they're expecting of him. Uh, that roster, as we've talked about many times before, is extremely flawed. But I think if there's any coach who can kind of get the most out of it, it's right. probably him. Um, you know, just as far as like getting everybody on the same page, execution, like getting buy-in. Um, he was a great player coach, and I think probably an underrated tactician as well. Uh, he yeah, just, for sure. You know, I think we saw the limits of what he could do with that Raptors roster, and there are definitely going to be limits to what he can do with that Pistons roster. But I feel like they're going to compete every night and uh, mm. and be a solid playoff team, assuming they stay healthy. So, and plus, Dwayne Casey is now on a five-year deal, which he was never. Apparently on a five-year deal in Toronto because he said, you know, in Toronto, I was always on a two-year deal or with another year to go. And so, you know, we uh, we never bought. I was on that short leash. He never bought in Toronto. Do you think he didn't buy in Toronto because the prices were too high or do you think it was because he was always on a one- or two-year deal? Man, Dwayne, like, you were here for like seven years, man. Like, come on. Come on. It's a tough real estate market, man. I'm sure he'll find it much more <laughs> forgi- forgiving in Detroit. Yeah, he was renting in Summerhill. Jeez, that's I think, like, yeah, prob- like three Gs a month at least. Yeah, it's nuts, man. I think property value in Detroit, I think it's like really, really cheap. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was probably buying, yeah, you could probably buy a house 
or three G's yeah. in uh, in Detroit. But I mean, look, Dwayne, have a good time in Detroit. Uh, as for Nick Nurse in Toronto, he seems to be. I'm starting to get the sense that Nick Nurse will kind of say yes to a lot of things and kind of just likes to ramble a little bit. Um, but he seems to be a very open-minded person, um, so much so that the Raptors are going to keep this very fluid starting lineup all season. He's getting asked about it every day now. He's you know he's talked about it for weeks, but yeah, he has a couple of guys that he could start, and um, you know Ibaka and Valanciunas I think is the main fissure there because. He doesn't really want to play them together, as you see in the preseason. They didn't share the floor at all, minus like two minutes. Um, and, yeah, I think he wants to keep those guys separate. And in order to do that, while also not killing both their confidence, he's kind of going with this shuffling of this rotation and keeping everyone fluid. Like, do you think there's any drawback with that, and are you concerned about it? Or do you think it's okay? I wouldn't say I'm concerned about it. I think you could probably say that the drawback is you might – not have quite as much regular season success. Mm-hmm. And for all that is said about Dwayne Casey and how stubborn he could be or how how sort of set his rotations were, that paid dividends in a lot of ways. And I think the continuity was really helpful last season and a huge part of why they had so much regular season success. That five-man bench unit that I feel like everyone was quite critical of at the start of the season proved to be right. obviously a huge uh, part of the team's success. So, you know, it's hard to say that that was like the wrong move I guess in the regular season but then you kind of saw in the playoffs when certain things stopped working as well as they had in the regular season you try to go with a different look or mix things up and go with these transitional lineups that hadn't gotten a ton of run in the regular season and suddenly it's like these guys aren't familiar with each other and haven't played together and you know you don't have a huge sample to draw on to know whether it's going to work or not and so it's a little bit more just like throwing shit at the wall and seeing if it sticks rather than actually like making educated decisions about mm. what lineups are going to work in what situations so i think there is a benefit to building out a bigger sample over the course of the regular season for like what lineups are going to be successful how they're going to look and how they're going to match up against certain teams um but it also might mean you know just like less cohesiveness and sure. and uh less kind of like game to game success i guess uh during the regular season but i think that'll pay dividends down the road I think it really comes down to like how you look at the season, right? Like if you, um, as one writer at uh, Raptors Rapture, I think wrote it. Um, I only read the headline. I'm sorry. I, I feel terrible. I feel really <laughs> terrible. It's like the Cardinal sin and, and journalism to only read the headline. You run but, out of your uh, five free articles on Raptors Rapture. Yeah, as well? yeah, yeah. There's too many, man. Sorry. Um, but yeah, there's one way of looking at it, which is like, look, the Raptors have 87 preseason games this season, right? And you know. Um, you, you want to use all that time basically to you know shuffle it up and, and try different looks. And I think, yeah, long-term wise, I think it, it works best. But I think in the short term, like, I guess it could be a negative. But at the same time, like, how much of a difference is it really to go from, like, Danny Green to C.J. Miles? On a night-to-night basis, you're, you're, they're going to play the same role, except C.J.'s going to play less defense than Danny and maybe take some more wild shots. Although I think Danny Green's pretty gung-ho about taking those transition threes uh, where he's leaning into the shot but like I don't know the main difference is really in the front court right like the, the when we really talk about this the big difference is whether or not you have Serge Ibaka back there playing his style of defense and his style of offense or if you have JV in there playing his style of defense his style of offense and I think everyone else is sort of more interchangeable and I think if you sort of give everyone these flexible roles I think also what Nick Nurse has kind of shown to do is he really has empowered his big men whether that's Pascal Siakam getting rebounds and then pushing up the break 
or like JV, like, you know, a couple plays in preseason, I clipped them. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, he's passing out of the high post. There's, you know, not necessarily more of the offense running through him, but he's able to, he's willing to do more in the offense. And even with Serge, like I thought Serge took a lot of risks this preseason, especially in that Montreal or in that game in Montreal against the Nets, you know, crossing over guys, like, you know, shooting off the dribble. Like I don't want him to do that consistently, but you know, it's clear that there's more freedom for both of them. So I don't know, man. It could benefit them too, I guess. I think it's important to keep in mind, like, yeah, CJ Miles and Danny Green might be very similar type players, mm-hmm. but they're different individuals. And I think Okay. I, I might have felt differently about this before last season, but I actually like watching how that five man bench unit operated together and like right. the synergy and the sort of mind meld that they had mm-hmm. and how that led to them like just absolutely running roughshod over other bench units and like other starters some of the time as well. Like right. It really gave me a new appreciation, I think, for just, like, how much comfort can play into, right. like, um, on-court success. And, like, uh, I do think, like, there's something to be said for, like, that kind of continuity. And okay. just, like, knowing the habits of who you're playing with, mm-hmm. uh, where they like the ball, where they're going to give you the ball. Like, and I know, like, yeah, everybody kind of plays together in practice and stuff like that. And, like, you right. gain a familiarity. But, like, I, I just don't think it's quite the same thing. Mm. But I think it's fine. And I do think, ultimately, an approach where you're taking, like, a kind of more flexible, um, you know, b- bigger picture look at your roster and saying, like, we want to play matchups. Right. Uh, we, you know, we don't want to have a set rotation. Um, and, you know, we're going to kind of take it game by game is probably the right approach because that is ultimately how the playoffs are played, right? Like, they're entirely about matchups. And so I think, you know, you want to be comfortable playing whatever lineup in whatever situation. Yeah, you don't want a situation where CJ Miles has to come in and play power forward against Kevin Love. Exactly. Um, Although, you know, honestly, that's not even entirely on Dwayne. Like, Ibaka was so bad in that series. Well, that's the thing. That I was think... the real issue. Like, if you don't have any players to step up, like, I don't think Dwayne woke up that morning and was like, man, I got to try C.J. Miles and Kevin Love. Like, no, that's... That that know? series, like, more than anything, I think just exposed their lack of two-way wings. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. and so they went out and got two of them. And, yeah. and it's going to make a world of difference. So, yeah. um, you know, part of that that flexible approach is just a product of, like, the incredible depth on the roster and also the fact that um, so many of these players offer such different skill sets. Okay. And it's not necessarily about them being interchangeable so much as it is about, like, everybody kind of has something different to offer mm-hmm. in, like, a very particular context. Um, right. And so, you know, it's like you, you look at, like, what the difference would be between playing JV and uh, playing Ibaka at center and it's like they both like that's going to be very matchup dependent and like Nathan yeah, talked about that he's saying like if we're going against the Celtics and they're starting Al Horford at center then we're probably going to throw Ibaka in there and like right. is that right or wrong I'm not entirely sure like Horford can make life pretty miserable on JV like making him defend in space and right. JV can kind of punish him at the other end but you don't want to be in a situation where you're trading twos for threes so mm-hmm. maybe you want the guy in Ibaka who's like a little bit better at defending out to the three-point line and, you know, it, like, you, you sacrifice whatever JV would have given you as far as just, like, scoring in the post at the other end. Like, mm. at the end of the day, I think, in general, I, we, we kind of just have to get past this idea of, like, starting being the be-all yeah. and end-all. Yeah. Um, because if JV doesn't start, like, and he comes in to play against a bench unit that Aaron Baines is on, like, I think that's probably the appropriate use of him in that game. Yeah. 
And, you know, similarly, like if you're playing the Cavs and Tristan Thompson's coming off the bench, like I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And not yeah. not starting JV is not going to have like a damaging impact over the course of an entire game. And plus, most of these guys have gotten their money already, right? Like in terms of the guys that will start, Danny Green's already had his money. Kawhi is obviously on a long-term deal um, that, you know, has paid him handsomely. Obviously, he's about to end this after this season. Um, you know, Serge got his money. JV got his money. Like it's it's more – I think – Starting is more of a concern for players that are on the brink of a max and they need to have a great season or players coming off like DeLon Wright's case, right? We could talk about DeLon in a second, but, you know, guys are about to get an extension. Like, yeah, those guys probably want more opportunities, and I think they could cause problems, you know, if you don't give it to them. But the Raptors are in this situation where most of those guys are veteran guys, and, like, you can figure it out. I think one thing that they need to determine a little bit is in terms of just um, how they deploy their lineups is that, like, do you think there is a specific front court pairing that both JV and Ibaka need to be playing with? As in, like, should JV only play with, or should JV play more minutes with Siakam versus someone like OG at the four? Or should Ibaka be playing with Siakam or OG? I think he could play perfectly well with either of those guys. Okay. I, I like the idea of having kind of like a spread floor with JV as the lone traditional big in the middle. Right. Um, and so I like the idea of breaking him and Ibaka up. I, okay. I think it was weird because last season they started out, the first month or two of the season, they were terrible playing together. Like, the yeah. numbers bore that out. They were, like, lineups with those two guys playing together were very bad, and they bled points. And then there was a shift, and, like, a lot of that had to do with, like, the, the strides that JV made. Yeah. Um, also, Ibaka had an incredible December. That's true as well. But, yeah. like, for the second half of the season, like, those guys were actually really good playing together, and I do think right. that that can work. And there, there are going to be teams they play where... Uh, they're going up against more traditional lineups with two bigs, Mm -hmm. like, say, Minnesota or San Antonio, right? Like, where I think you probably want those two guys playing together. For the most part, I like the idea of JV playing with four smalls, you know, like guys who can shoot and spread the floor. Like, him having space to operate in the middle, I think, could actually be really effective. Like, he's a great post scorer. Right. He's got great touch. Uh, He scores well on the roll. Like His rebounding is also super key if you want to go small. His rebounding is key. Like, his passing has improved. Um, so I, I do like that idea. Um, I guess if I had to choose, I would have him play with, like, OG at the four okay. over Siakam at the four. Siakam um, and Ibaka would be a nice combo, too. Yeah, and, and like, small sample size, but Siakam and Ibaka uh, as, like, a two-man pairing performed pretty well last year. So Right. Um, and that gives you just, like, a, a little bit more activity, I think. Mm-hmm. Um the rebounding in those lineups would be a bit of a concern. Sure, but, but I mean, at least, like, I mean, that really comes down to Ibaka not being a good rebounder. I think yeah, out of the two of them, like, Siakam is probably a better rebounder than OG, so you might as well just put him with Yeah, Siakam is another guy too. who you just want to surround with as many shooters as you can. Yeah, exactly, right? And um, I think it also works nicely because Siakam is a transition threat, whereas Serge is, you know, oftentimes the trailer. And so if he's trailing the play and he's, like, stopping the three-point line and Siakam's driving and they kick it out to Serge, like, that's not bad offense either. Um, yeah, I think I, – I think honestly, like, that's probably the best pairing. That Like, I agree with you in terms of Siakam with Ibaka and OG with, uh, with JV. But I, I also think that, you know, if they're going to shuffle the lineups a little bit, then they might not get continuity on that level, which, you know – We'll see. We'll see how the game. We'll see how it goes throughout the season. And of course, like Nick Nurse can always uh, adjust as the the summer go or the winter goes on. Um, the extension deadline also came and passed, October fifteenth. Um, Delon Wright uh, 
I think it was reported by Zach Lowe that it was like a 2080 proposition that, uh, you know, they would reach an extension. Um, apparently, DeLon's agent was in town to talk with uh, the Raptors front office about it, and they couldn't get a deal done. Um, do you think – I mean, I have a couple of questions here, but do you think this is a concern – like this, this, this speaks to how much the Raptors value – DeLon, or do you feel like it was just a situation where the Raptors have a big cap number next year and they don't want to do anything right now with Kawhi's uncertainty in the air? Without knowing what sort of figures were being thrown around, I guess it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that the organization has a lot of faith in him and right. probably plan to like to keep him long term um, just because it does really seem like Lowry is going to be phased out when mm-hmm. his contract ends after 2019-20 season and you know if they had their druthers they would probably like to have both Van Vliet and DeLon in the mix but I just don't know like kind of what, what where their disagreement was or like what figures you know were being tossed out there and um, so so in, in that way it's just like I, I don't really know because if they were going in there offering like three years, $21 million, then I feel like that was probably a non-starter for DeLon's camp, right? Yeah. Um, and again, he's like, what, he's he's going to be 27 this season? Yeah. So I feel like for him, he probably, like if he's going to sign a long-term deal, I feel like it's got to be a pretty sizable chunk of money for him to be feel comfortable signing it, knowing that that's going to encompass the rest of his prime, basically. Exactly. Um, so, I, yeah, I just don't know. I think uh, probably, like, the Kawhi thing complicates it because, um, you know, if they are, you know, think they have a chance to re-sign him, they're going to basically be giving him max money and, like, they're already in the tax, right? So right. Uh, that might change the equation and might mean that DeLon is either out the door or they're trying to use him as a trade chip rather than, you mm-hmm. know, as a long-term piece. Um, and taking back a shorter-term salary that, you know, is not going to keep them in the tax, you know, as like a repeater team. Right. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it, it would have been interesting if they had signed him to, like, a fair market extension because then that, that might have actually made him more of a trade chip. Like, I don't know, yeah, if, I don't sure. know if he has much value as, like, a guy who's going to be a restricted free agent in the summer. Well, that's the thing, right? I think people thinking that um, – uh, DeLon Wright could move in like a Jimmy Butler deal or whatever like it's just not the history of it recently just hasn't been very strong for restricted free agents on the eve of signing extensions or whatever um, like you look at Rodney Hood for example like he basically fetched like a really broken Jay Crowder as part of a larger deal like that's almost that's not very much um, if you look at Alfred Payton I think he was shipped for like a second round pick and Phoenix didn't even end up re-signing him um and who else would I say? Oh, Ner- even Neuro's Noel, like a guy like that, right? Like he didn't, he went for like two seconds. And he also had his own situation and everything like that. Like all the situations are unique. But I just don't really see DeLon having that much value. And so I think the, the best course of action is probably just to keep him for the rest of the season. Like he's obviously a very uh, useful player. Like um, the Raptors could use another ball handler as well. And he's a guy who's, you know, um, he can play shooting guard in addition to point guard, which really helps when you have two small point guards and, Van Vliet and Lowry helps to have a bigger one out there just to, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, change up the looks and make matchups easier. But, um, yeah, I mean, what? so what would have been a fair number for DeLon in your mind? Because I think the Raptors probably came to them with something like a mid-level, which is about 8.5. Mm-hmm. 
and I think Delon and company are probably looking for twelve, and they probably couldn't reach ten. I guess. Yeah, I I feel we talked about this like a couple months ago, I think, and I, I'm pretty sure what I threw out there was four years, thirty six. Yeah, which is about the mid level, you know, assuming yep. that that uh, it's going to climb in the next couple of years as well. Like, mm-hmm. I I feel like that's pretty reasonable because I I honestly don't know if he is ever going to get to the level where he's like a starter, you know, or or like an average starting caliber point guard. Right. Like he could start for Orlando tomorrow. Yeah. No, he could start for a bunch of teams, but I don't know. Like, if you are a contending team, I don't know if. He if you're comfortable with him being your starting point guard. I mean, a lot of that has to do with the team you'd have around him. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he works best as sort of like a super sub who can play really three different positions, I think, uh, because of the combination of size and vision and playmaking chops that he has. Um, you know, he can certainly defend positions one through three. Yep. And that just gives you a whole lot of lineup flexibility. But... You know, the jump shot, I I think it's still improving. His release is still, like, really slow on that thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. He hasn't... I guess he's, like, looked a little bit more comfortable shooting it off the dribble. But I feel like, for the most part, he's still, like, a catch-and-shoot kind of guy. Um, And I don't know. I just... I I still think... I need to see more of a sample size. Like, he's played so few NBA games. Uh, The injuries are a bit of a concern. um, And the, the way that he just sort of can, like... I don't say he checks out of games because I don't think that's really his right. mentality. He's just... He's almost like he's, pol- too polite to impose himself on some games. You yeah, know? I think he could just like stand to be a lot more aggressive. Yeah, um, for sure. And I think he has that aggressiveness at the defensive end. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I would like to see it translate to the offensive end and like actually have him like try to get to the rim a little bit more often. Mm-hmm. Um, look for his shot a little bit more often. Like be willing to pull the trigger a little bit more often. And uh, maybe that just comes with reps, which... Look, frankly, like, I, he hasn't had that many of. And, like, the fact, no. like, his age and the limited number of games that he's played in the NBA is, like, a big part of what w- would conceivably drive down his value, I think. Right. And I think that's probably what the Raptors are betting on. Like, I don't really foresee a team going into offseason next year when they look at a restricted guy like DeLon and say, you know what? We love this guy so much. We're going to not only hand him a massive, like, eight-digit uh, salary for multiple years, um, and not only do that, but also be willing to put our cap hold or our, our cap space on hold to get him right. And so, I think the Raptors are looking at the market. You know, like obviously there are teams he could go to, right? Like um, Orlando is one of them. Um, the Knicks could certainly use a point guard, although I think they have other designs uh, next off season. Um, Phoenix. Phoenix could always use a point guard. I, I honestly, I don't. Phoenix is really poorly managed, but we'll see what James Jones does with that roster. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. But I mean, like, there's not there's not exactly like that many teams out there, um, you know, dying to give Delon that uh, that money. So I think the Raptors could probably still retain him, and I think they just figured like, hey, if you have the same year as he has this year, I, I don't think he gets more than eight mil right. per year. And, and, and in that case, if you sign him to like a two, like a the same deal as Fred, basically, like two years, eighteen mil, you're, you're happy with that. Yeah, and restricted free agency is generally pretty team friendly. Yeah, so. For sure. Uh, I think kind of rolling it over to next summer is definitely not the worst idea. Um, I would have liked to have seen them extend him, like assuming that it was at a reasonable figure, just because I really right. like DeLon. Um, and I think he opens up a lot of things for them in terms of just like the kind of lineups they can play. Right. Um, and I do feel like he has more room to grow. Like I think the ability is there. It's just like 
a lot of it comes down to mentality and, mm-hmm. and opportunity. But um, again, I, I like you're saying 12 million. Like I would not have been thrilled about them giving him 12 million a year. No, so no. And look, let's be real. If Norm didn't get his money first, then chances are probably pretty good that Delon would have got his money, you know, yesterday. But he didn't. So. Agree. Um, all right. That comes the fun part. The Raptors actually have games this week, so we got to actually look at two, um, you know, actual legitimate NBA games. Um, they're going to start the season on Wednesday. They're going to play the Cleveland Cavaliers um, at home in Toronto. Tickets expensive, very expensive, but that's just how it is. Um, that's a win. The Raptors are currently favored by 12 points. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Um, DeLon, I think, is questionable for the game just because uh, he's dealing with his uh, small, adductor. Uh, yeah, adductor injury. I mean, look, DeLon, bro, you got to stay healthy to get that money. That's that's a big part of it, too. He, I think he, the most games he's played is like 62, I think that was last season. So, mm. anyway, um, yeah, I mean, look, this is this should be a win. Um, I'm looking at the key matchups. Uh, on the score app which you should download it's free um jordan clarkson versus kyle Lowry. jordan clarkson is is one of their key guys that's it's unfortunate but um Kawhi leonard and chetty osman hey man they were both in that uh, legendary workout photo with lebron and katie in the offseason chad i don't know how chetty osman finesses his way into there but he's got he's got pretty good press everyone likes chetty yeah, yeah. he's uh he's the modern day james jones wow wow Right place, right time. Um, I can't believe James Jones has gone to the finals seven straight <laughs> years, <laughs> just like LeBron. Um, but yeah, I mean, was he you, was, was he on that team last year? Is his no, streak still alive? No, his his streak ended right after the Warriors won their first title with KD. He was okay. like, "No, nah, I'm done with this." <laughs> and then a year later, he was named the GM of a team. It's incredible rise, incredible finessing, but. Um, I don't know, man. Is there anything in Cleveland that intrigues you about this matchup? Or, um, I mean, I'm I'm interested to see what Colin Sexton looks like. Okay. Uh, I, I don't think he's kind of be... like Darren Fox with the hair and the game. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be especially good this year. But I just always like watching rookies play mm-hmm. um, because you know you're watching that what they look like in the present, but you're also sort of trying to project outwards and and like see what that that can tell you about who they're going to be in the future. And, you know, they've kind of... I don't, I don't want to say they've placed the franchise in his hands, but, like, if they are going to kind of, like, rebound from this latest uh, LeBron jilting, uh, they are, you know, going to need him to be, I think, a foundational player. So mm. um, I'm curious to see what he looks like. I think we're all sort of curious to see what alpha Kevin Love looks like, whether that right. guy is still in there somewhere. Um, Love only played one preseason game. Weird. Okay. I mean, they won. They beat the Celtics, and he looked pretty good, but weird. Yeah. So, I guess not that much, but, <laughs> you know, for every team, there's always, like, a couple things that I'm interested in. And, right. Um, I'm just, you know, whatever. It's, it's an NBA regular season game, so I'm going to be jacked up for it regardless. This is what I'm interested in. Kanda unveils and rolls out. Legal mar- uh, legal marijuana, all right? The legalization of marijuana <laughs> on, on October day. 17th. And J.R. Smith already out with an injury. I don't think it's a... No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, no, no, no J.R. actually is, 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 is nice because they got to reach down in the rotation for guys like um, David Nawaba. 
All right, so you know, like it, I like Nawaba. Yeah, he's a great energy guy, man. He, that's great. Yeah. What he's great at energy. That's a good basketball skill. Oh, he's fast. He. I like how he defends. There yeah. you go. Another thing I'm excited for in well, Cleveland. There we go. But I mean, look, I'm, I pulled up their preseason numbers, and look, preseason obviously is, is not everything, but uh, Rodney Hood shot. 29%. I'm, I'm very happy I didn't pull the trigger Pick it up on. right where he left off. I'm really happy I didn't pull my trigger on the, the Rodney Hood's breakout years this year, future. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he, you know, yeah, he's not doing well. Jordan Clarkson, Anti Zizic, which is their th- fourth leading scorer, Anti Zizic. Yeah, that's a win. That's yeah, a win. let's hope. Okay, all right, we don't have to talk too much about that one. Then uh, on Friday, the Raptors play host to the Boston Celtics in what – is already the most anticip- one of the most anticipated games of the season, um, just because the Celtics are always mentioned in the same conversation as the Raptors, or maybe vice versa. But um, I don't know, man. The Celtics, the Celtics, they haven't looked that good in preseason. I know it's just preseason, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think Gordon Hayward's rusty, man. Yeah, I'm going to call this a win. Um, yeah. It's at home. Okay. Like you said, the Celtics are still ironing out some kinks. Mm-hmm. Um, Al Horford averaged five points a game in preseason. Okay. And, yeah, I just think um, I just think it's going to be a win. I, I mean, I expect it will probably be pretty close, and it, it could swing either way. Like, I think most matchups between these two teams will this season. Um, but having home court, and I just think, uh, yeah, coming off a of preseason when the Celtics didn't, entirely look right um they're another team and and you could say the same about the raps honestly like yeah it's not like the, the Raptors were completely sharp and no like i think both of these teams are probably gonna maybe stumble a little bit out of the gate uh, and take a little bit of time to find their footing but um i feel like the raps have looked a little bit smoother so far so yeah um gordon hayward five of 20 in preseason um not all the way back yet doesn't have his explosiveness he's playing the four it looks a bit awkward for him Right now, I think you'll yeah. you'll you'll get going. Worth mentioning that Kawhi shot like thirty eight percent, yeah, from the field, like one of eight from three, like sixty percent from the line. Like he mm. hasn't entirely looked like himself either. So yeah, but the agenda, but the agenda, but the pro Raptors agenda must be obtained. That's true. Uh, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a really exci- exciting game. I think it's on ESPN, which is great. Early season hype. Um, I think. You know, people are going to draw some conclusions out of it. I think. Oh man, I'm so excited to just totally overreact to whatever happens. Oh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, but I don't know, man. I, I think just it being at home in Toronto, I think the energy is going to be great. I think it's going to really hype up the crowd. And I think, look, what this game is going to show in part is that the Raptors are pretty well equipped to defend the Celtics. They always have been, man. One of the Celtics like hung like 120 points on the Raptors. It just doesn't happen. The Raptors have always played them really well. Yeah, that includes last season where. There's like a couple of games where the Raptors went into Boston and, you know, got trounced a little bit, which is what happens. When you go to Boston, you know, the calls are a little bit less friendly and, you know, like the atmosphere in Boston is always hard to play in. But, I mean, I don't know. The Raptors should be fine. This, I just, this, should be this is the thing about the Celtics to me, and I do think they're going to be really, really good. Is it the, the frauds? Okay. The best uh, <laughs> player is Kyrie Irving, who is like maybe a top 15 player. I think their best player might be Al Horford, but... Who is like maybe a top 20 player, though? Yeah. That's not even... It's beside the point. I, I just okay. think... You know, unless and until Jason Tatum really, like, makes that leap into being sort of like a dominant one-on-one scorer, Mm -hmm. like, they don't really have anybody that truly terrifies you. And I think 
Mm. As much as they themselves are pretty matchup proof, like their defense is exceptional. Like yeah. they have a ton of wings, uh, you know, who can make plays, who can score, who can switch. But the collective, like it just, to me, it like it makes them also a little bit easier to match up with. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. they don't have one guy who totally yeah. shreds your game plan. It's like Kyrie. Um, if, if Kyrie gets hot, then that's that's what it is. But aside from that, like, they're all good. It's like a, it's like a, a situation where the team is actually um, not less than the sum of their parts, but they're not as, like, you can't just expect, like, everyone ev- what they did last season plus Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. Like, no, there's roles. There's defined... You know what I mean? Like, there's defined minutes and shots and everything like that. And when you push someone down a little bit, I don't know. You have to find a new identity. I think for them, it might be even harder for the Celtics to uh, to get going early in the season than it would for the Raptors. Because I think the other part of the Celtics is that they got to be a defensively, you know, sound team. But then when you hear all offseason that, you know, you are the shit, like you are going to win 65 games and go to the finals for sure. I think Tracy McGrady even said that this team's going to beat the Warriors, which like, what are you, what are you, T-Mac, man, come on, just go tailor your pants and, and get some sense in yourself. But um, yeah, like, come on, man. I think like this team is not as focused defensively as they were in previous seasons. And so if that takes a slip, then I don't know. But I still have them going with beating the Raptors in the NBA Easter Conference Finals. Though. Look, That's I a, think. It's another conversation. But. Yeah, to me. To me, it's just like a complete coin flip. You know, which one of these two teams like finishes ahead in the standings? Like, who wins? What I think is going to be an inevitable conference finals matchup. Um, It's too close for me to call, but I just like in a weird way, like I in a playoff matchup, I would almost be more scared of playing a team like the Sixers or the Bucks, where it's like Mm. they have guys who it's like, okay, like what do we do with this guy? Like, how do we match up? Overwhelming. And yeah, Kyrie can kind of like, you know, if he gets hot, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. But it's like, okay, well, there's nothing you can do. You know, like he's going to take the same difficult shots, whether Kyle, Kyle Lowry is guarding him or whether uh, Kawhi is guarding him. You know, like right. um, he's just a difficult shot maker. And in, in certain cases, there's like, okay, you can't do anything about it. But it's not like you have to throw multiple bodies at him where no. um, he's going to like totally scramble your defense. It's just like, okay, like the threat of him pulling up, like, uh, strikes a little bit of fear into the heart of the D and like um, maybe changes up the way that you are going to like play your pick and roll coverages. But like, I don't know. It just, to me, it's like a little bit different than, than the way that uh, Giannis kind of makes you reorient your game plan or the way that LeBron makes you reorient your game plan. Like, um, or even Embiid. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know, maybe that's the same for the Raptors. You know, maybe I'm just being myopic here and I'm not seeing that, like, the Raptors are kind of built the same way. Like, is is Kawhi that guy who's kind of, like, blowing your game plan to bits? Like, is he really drawing enough attention from a defense to kind of open things up for the rest of your offense? Like, I don't know. Maybe they just, like, kind of play each other to a stalemate and at the end of the day it just comes down to, like, a couple breaks here and there. Yeah. 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 I, I like that though. In a, in a again, this, we're looking like six months into the future, but like in that series, the Raptors would have the best player on the court, which is very refreshing. I just never had that feeling before. Yeah, in a playoff series, yeah. except for the Heat series, and that was kind of iffy because Kyle Lowry was the best player, but he didn't play like it. Did not play like <laughs> it for some games. Um, in fact, JV felt like the best player for the first two games. Um, and then lastly, the Raptors play the Washington Wizards uh, on Saturday. It's a back-to-back. It's in Washington, D.C. I'm sure the Wizards will be talking about revenge. I'm sure Kelly Oubre will be wearing 
um, you know, some ridiculous shades talking about how much he's been thinking about DeLon Wright and getting revenge. Um, I don't know. I, just on the back-to-back, it's a little bit tricky, but it is earlier in the season, and so you got to figure a back-to-back isn't that bad. Dwight Howard's back is having an issue, or he's having an ass injury from, I don't know, probably making his 14th child. So, like, <laughs> I, I just I, – I think – the Raptors can win this game, but it might be a little bit difficult just because of the back-to-back. And I think it would be very emotional on Friday when they play the Celtics. So what do you think about that game? I think, I don't know, in a vacuum, I guess I would call it probably a Raptors win. But I think just looking at it holistically, I would say it's a two-in-one week. So mm. either they mm. lose that Celtics game wow. and then bounce back, or they win the Celtics game, but then they have a bit of a burnout the next night. So... um I'm going to go ahead and I'm, I'm going to say that the Celtics game is a win and okay. that the Wizards game is subsequently a loss. Just wow, like, what a hater. Feels like a bit of a schedule loss. And, what a um, you know, uh, John Wall and Brad Beal, they tend to get up for these games against the Raptors, man. What can I say? Oh, man. Should have gotten up in the, in the NBA playoffs. Oh, they did. Actually. They did. They, they did. were good. Except for Bradley Beal a little bit. I thought Bradley Beal was a little bit shaky. Those first couple of games in Toronto, he was really bad. But after that, yeah. he was great. Yeah, he um, was a killer, man. Yeah. Um,. I don't know. I'm just going to call three wins. I don't care. I don't care. Why can't the Raptors be the Wizards? It shouldn't be that much of an issue. They're going to guard Kawhi Leonard with, like, you know, Yama Himni at center and... Uh, Markeith Morris. Markeith Morris. Yeah, I, I, I'm good with that one. I'm good with that one. So, I'm calling 3-0. Uh, Joey's going a little bit conservative with 2-1-1. But it should be a pretty successful year for the Raptors. It should be very fun. I can't wait to get the game started. As always, the... Uh, 10 Things Recap will be there. It's going to be a slight change. We'll see about that uh, after the first game. But, um, you know, the Reaction Podcast is going to be there. Re- uh, the coverage from Raptors Public is going to be great. A reminder to everyone listening uh, to please consider uh, supporting the Raptors Public Patreon page. Not, not only will you be able to access a page with no ads, and I think that, you know, is preferable for everybody, but also it just keeps the site uh, free and accessible to everyone else um, because, it does take some resources to manage the site, and um, you know, just honestly, if we can get one dollar from all our readers, then we would literally never have to ask for money ever again. Like, it'd, it'd be nice. We have a lot of readers, but a very, very small percentage of them have contributed, and so, you know, be be better, be better, and just toss like a basically coffee change to uh, our for the month. Anyway. Um, that does it for the podcast. Thank you for everyone listening. Thank you to Joe Wolfon. Um, follow Wolfon on Twitter at Joey underscore W. Listen to Pound the Rock, down the score. We we got a lot of content coming out on the score in the in the last couple of months and going forward as well. So, yeah, that's all I have to plug. Joey, do you have anything to plug or not? Nah? Uh, not right now, actually. Uh, okay. It's been a quiet few days. Uh, oh, yeah, you were at the 905 tribe, by the way. We got, we got, <laughs> yeah. Yo, we got it. Yeah, that's right. We got to we gotta get you on a quick take on Jama Ma Layla. What was it like up and close with Jama? Jama was great. Um, incredibly charismatic, incredibly forthcoming and friendly. Um, and he just has, like, you know how some people just kind of have an aura about them? Okay. Like, the Jama he, aura. He has that, man. Oh, you can man. feel it. He's just, like, a really magnetic dude. Um, and I feel like he really connects with people. Okay. So... Yeah, that was a definitely an experience. Not one that I can say I, I enjoyed, frankly. Uh, <laughs> on the whole, uh, just uh, because, of course, you know, like I'm I, I'm like a rec level basketball player, uh, and I was competing against uh, professionals, basically. So, mm. um, you know, like Christian my, my, Cabongo. Yeah, that's right. My my pride took a bit of a hit, um, but 
if you if you want to read about that experience, uh, it's still pinned on uh, my Twitter page, and uh, you can check that out on the Score app or thescore.com. And yeah, I'm going to have lots of the feature content coming out this season, as I know you will as well, Will. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, give me a follow on Twitter, um, read my stuff, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this season. There you go. All right, we'll be back next week on Monday, not uh, on Tuesdays. This was just me being lazy. All right, bye. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply.